the Action Network podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. No one, no one is offering you action like this. It's the gambling experience of a lifetime. And it's my way of saying, I understand men like you. I know what you want. I know what you need. This is where you belong. Welcome into the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Today's episode, week eight NFL recap. And we will also discuss Monday night football between the Bengals and the Browns AFC North slog to wrap up the week. And we will also get the look ahead line from our own Brandon Anderson for week nine. Uh, It's just after midnight here on the East Coast. Sunday night football has wrapped. 13 games on this Sunday. Brendan Glasheen, Joe Gallant as well. Brandon, let's start with the chaos in Atlanta (laughs) between Carolina and the Atlanta Falcons. My goodness. DJ Moore, he said it. I fucked up. He said it. That's what he said, man. You could read his lips (laughs) on the sideline. I've never seen that before. Maybe I have seen that before, but it's been a while. Penalty for taking the helmet off. Please take us through it for Somehow Carolina covers plus four uh, this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, somehow Carolina covered any number you got. We, I was on Atlanta on the look ahead. I was on the one, the hot read. On our last podcast, we had VR on the Panthers side of things, and that number had kept on dropping. So late in the game here. So we're getting to a point. We're alternating scores. Fun game, as long as you don't have your money on one side of it. We alternated 10 scores in a row. So Panthers, Falcons, Panthers, Falcons, back and forth eight lead changes. The first time we got the same team scoring twice in a row was that second of Falcons field goal. Just near the end of the game, Falcons go up six. And I'm like, all right, we're going to get the minus four home. We'll get one of my minus sixes home. My minus six and a half, not quite there. We're feeling okay, right? That's when the play you mentioned, Brandon, comes up. So the Panthers get the ball and basically throw effectively a Hail Mary to DJ Moore. The Falcons defense literally your only job is just keep the guy in front of you. Just keep going backwards and keep the guy in front of you. There is like 20 seconds left in the game. I saw next-gen stats, 67.6 air yards on that throw by P.J. Walker. That is the longest air yard throw that they have ever tracked in their system in the history of the NFL. Our guy P.J. put it up there. D.J. gets behind everyone. They get the touchdown. They tie it up. Extra point for the win. I'm already pouting. The bet is over. And then, like you said, we get the penalty. Took a helmet off. Can't celebrate, boys. It's a game. Put your helmet back on. So we get a 48-yard extra point. Pinero shanks it. We're going to overtime. And it was a little anticlimactic. I thought because we get a quick Mariota bomb. It gets picked off. Returned deep into Atlanta territory. We don't know what happens from there. Carolina's inside the 20 run the ball a couple times, get the field goal, go home. Except your kicker is the guy that just missed the extra point. So they bring out him, Carolina, for the win. Wide left. Atlanta gets it back. And then still not really the most exciting from there. Mariota, I think, got a big run. And then Young Waiku came on for the Atlanta field goal and gets the win there. So 37-34, obviously way over on this one. And I didn't get my Falcons win. I do have, though... From our from a uh, Friday futures, Brandon, a twenty-five to one Atlanta Falcons division ticket. 
the Atlanta Falcons alone in first place in the division. Jill, this was a wild one. I know I was a little more invested than you on this, but what do you see in this one? Honestly, Brandon, it just looked like a battle of two, a former and potentially a future XFL MVP because both that's what both these quarterbacks <laughs> look like. Um, yeah, Mariota, again, like I think that one of the things that was surprising, again, we talked about this week after week, is he a good quarterback? Is he actually going to be able to pass the ball? Well, today he looked pretty good doing it, uh, even if he threw an interception on the second play of the game and then threw another costly interception. But really, Eddie Pinero basically gave them the game back, you know, in that sense, uh, to allow them to win it, which is just crazy because uh, I really thought you were getting that cover. And that was part of the cap about the secondary with the Falcons being so battered and they lost another quarterback during the game probably led to why DJ Moore was able to get that touchdown. And again, it was just kind of one of those games from a uh, touchdown standpoint, like you're wasting like a great effort from Deontay Foreman, who had three touchdowns in the game. Uh, it was just tough to watch uh, that melt. Uh, so my condolences, Brandon, on uh, because I do feel like even though what we saw, I still feel like Atlanta was the right side, even though they didn't uh, come out for a cover. Well, and, and here's the good news. We're 10 days away. From Falcons Panthers Part 2, baby, Thursday Night Football. If you like what you saw in this one, let's do it again in 10 days. So if you go back to 2020, we talked about this on the Best Bets podcast, and this is courtesy of Evan Abrams at Action. This is just the sixth win for the Carolina Panthers against the spread. They are now 6-24 and 24 oh. against the spread when their opponent scores 17 points or more, which is that that is not a big ask to keep up with the team when they score 17 points against you, they get there today. Um, unbelievable chaos, big time. But uh, I mean, look, if you have DJ Moore in your season long or whatever, like good for you and the nice wake up call for him, or he had a good game last week too, but uh, yeesh. Um, let's go to a game that had a big game of the week was over on Fox today. It was San Francisco and the Rams. These two teams meeting for the second time this year. San Fran's had this team's number in the regular season outside of last year's NFC title game. That's the hype coming in. And in Jill, San Francisco handled its business. We'll get to Brandon's pick from our, the best bets episode last week. Cause that was, that's phenomenal. 31, 14 Niners win. they cover minus one and a half. And there's a bigger picture takeaway from this game too, on the Niners. Absolutely. And eight straight win now by uh, the Niners during the regular season, uh, not including obviously the uh, the playoff game from last year. But uh, yeah, we had them on the best bet at minus one and a half. I had them, Brandon. I can't wait to talk a little bit more about the pick <laughs> that you had. But uh, the cap was solid in a sense that there was just no reliable secondary receiving option for the Rams again. Like you mm -hmm. saw that Tyler Higby got knocked out early. He did end up coming back in the second half, but he still looked limited. I mean, there was only 185 passing yards from Stafford. You thought that second half pick was coming and he actually just didn't. He was actually too, a little too careful with the ball. Um, you know, Allen Robinson taunts a guy in scoring position that puts them out of in a spot again. But I think one of the most important thing was just the emergence uh, emergence. Listen to this, the, reassertion of Christian McCaffrey back into our lives as a focal point of an offense that is competent <laughs> because we saw 24 straight points by the 49ers and we didn't have Debo Samuel or Kyle Juszczyk on the field. Um, and we talked about this last week, just looking at like by low spots, like in the NFC, like we talked about the Niners and the Packers and the Bucks, uh, San Francisco, 14 to one to win the Super Bowl last week and uh, plus 700 to win the NFC. Their odds have only dropped a little bit after this ass whooping of the Rams. Like they are still 13 to one to win the Super Bowl, 550 to win the NFC. Still pretty good prices, especially because 
The next four games that they're going to be playing is Chargers, Cardinals, Saints, and Dolphins. I'm willing to wager they're going to be favored in all four of those games. I think they'll go at least three and one. So you, those odds are probably going to drop even more. I think really just this team is just the future is. Can we trust Jimmy G to take us to the promised land? Because he had two plays in that game that were clearly they should have been picks and the Rams dropped them. So really, it's just the same book on the 49ers. If Jimmy G takes them there, we just have to hope that he doesn't make a mistake along the way. And you, and you never know it when you look at the final score and you watch some of the highlights. Jimmy Garoppolo did just enough. The Italian stallion just cruising uh, with his great looks and another victory. Brandon, you can explain it. For us, please, <laughs> your angle going in, but this kind of played out how you expected. I did, yeah. I I, uh, I got stuck a little bit looking at this game, thinking of, well, I, I know the Shanahan thing. Look, Shanahan 10-3 and three now, ATS against McVay. Like, that's the tried-and-true formula. Just plug it in, set it, and forget it. But it, it didn't feel great coming out of the Rams by a week. I didn't really know what are we going to get from this Rams offense. We knew they needed to do something differently, and there was a lot of trends that liked a quick start by the Rams, maybe not a lasting one, but so that's where I was looking at first half. Kind of like the Rams early. I kind of like the Niners whole game. So I just went for it. I went for the double. We did Rams at halftime, 49ers to get the win full time. That was plus 70 at our sponsor FanDuel. Boy, we sweated out to halftime. The Niners were driving 14-7 just before the half and almost got a touchdown, settled for the field goal. So we got the half. And then no sweat in the second half. The Niners blew it open. Rams didn't score again. So that was it was a pretty easy win. I, I must say I had my tweet fired up and ready to go with like eight minutes left. And then I had Brown Steelers flashbacks from that under from a Thursday a few weeks ago. I was like, you know what? We're up 17. I don't really see this going awry, but let's let's just let's sit on it for a little bit. Let's let's wait and celebrate later. I was a little bummed, to be honest. If you remember, Brandon, we had uh, I, I played the under also. So the total is at 42. The Niners had kind of a late-ish touchdown garbage time, basically, that went over. So I had a piece of my parlay. I did hit the 750, but I had a plus 1620-something, I forget, that would have hit with the under, too. So big payday, you know, like a true D-Gen. You always want the bigger payday if it's out there. But fun one to hit. Yeah, McCaffrey, I think, too. You guys mentioned, like, Jimmy Garoppolo and do we trust him. I do think McCaffrey maybe makes you trust Jimmy a little more just Mm -hmm. because I think he becomes a security blanket. That touchdown catch that McCaffrey had, how many other running backs in the league get that kind of outlet and this leaping grab, like a receiver grab in the end zone? That's that's an interception with a lot of other running backs. But with Jimmy, he's going to throw that up there. And McCaffrey made the catch. Obviously, huge day if you had McCaffrey in fantasy or daily or whatever. Three touchdowns, one by land, one by sea. He had a passing TD. He had a receiving touchdown, a rushing touchdown. First player to have all three touchdown types since LaDainian Tomlinson in 2005. My personal favorite, David Patton, a receiver who was like wide receiver four or five back about 20 years ago for the Patriots. And one random day, he just lit it up and had a touchdown in every type. Last one before that was 1979. So this does not happen a whole whole lot. So fun to see McCaffrey kind of unleashed in this game, especially we know the Rams wanted him. The Niners paid up to get him. And uh, well, I guess it paid off because they got the win right away with him. Um, I did see Cooper Cup limped off late. So that's something to keep our eye on here. The Niners hit the bye week. So Jill, you talked about their odds and feeling good about them. 
it's a good chance to kind of catch their breath after all the injuries. No rest for the Rams. They've played five home games already. They've only left California once all year, and they are three and four. They still travel to Tampa, New Orleans, Kansas City, Green Bay, L.A. for the Chargers, and they still have to play Seattle twice. Rams are in trouble, guys. Cooper Cup said he thinks he dodged a bullet on the injury, so he thinks it's minor. That's good news. That was his quote from after the game. Going to the resort, Seahawks Island. Seahawks Island has uh, can build an, another resort on the island, if you'd like, because <laughs> the Seahawks win and cover the spread. Again, Brandon Anderson, 27-13. Giants were plus three in this game, but Seattle, they imposed their will. The 12th man is alive. This team... This team is, they could, forget the Niners. These guys could win this division for crying out loud. I'm starting to wonder if these guys could win more than the division. I looked this morning, the super, the uh, getting to the Super Bowl odds, 45 to 1 for Seattle. That's too long, too. Seattle Island might have to expand before too long. We're not careful here. This team is good. And by the way, the Giants are a pretty quality team, too. I think this was our only game of the day with teams both over 500. Of course, just like we all expected, Giants-Seahawks, big week eight battle. So, you know, it it played out a little slow for a while, but really it's because both defenses really showed up for this one. Like you said, uh, the the Seattle's fans, awesome atmosphere, roaring crowd. Pete Carroll got a penalty for celebrating on the sideline toward the end of the game. Like this felt like a college game to me. And it kind of, it is a college game because you'll get to me, Seattle. The takeaway for me is what a draft they had this year. Both of their starting tackles, rookies. Both starting cornerbacks, rookies, and Kenneth Walker, the rookie of the year favorite. Like, that is an incredible draft class. And I think it's why we're still having a hard time coming out to Seattle Island because we knew the guys they had before the season, they weren't very good. But this incredible class, when you can turn over your O line and your secondary with these really good players and then add in the juice at running back, Seattle's a good team. The offense is good. And quite frankly, I thought the defense was better than the offense today. The Giants, who have been really good offensively, only three and a half yards of play. Seattle's defense might actually be better than the offense right now. This is a well-rounded team. They're a well-coached team. Seahawks Island will be visiting again before the end of the episode. I'll tell you that much. All right, very good. So Seattle Island is alive and well. Like I said, the another resort being built this week. And um, we could have more. So get on the island while you can because it might be too late at some point down the road. Jill, let's discuss the game that we, the, the most recent game of the of the weekend, that was Green Bay and Buffalo. Bills get there. Um, they win the game 27-17, but the Packers cover. A double-digit dog, Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers, the biggest underdog number of his career at 10 and a half, 11 points. And Green Bay, I, I love the joke that you guys made before we went live. Like Green Bay was actually running clock better on its own than Buffalo was in this game. Yeah, and as explosive as the Bills looked, like you would think with if you just felt like based on the eye test, it felt like they put up like 40 points, but they obviously they only scored 27. And it really felt like Josh Allen was just doing whatever he wanted. Like he threw it felt like he threw for 400 yards. And then you look at the box score and he actually finished with the second lowest passing yardage in any game this season. So it was kind of shock, especially because you know, they were able to take advantage of those scores in the red zone with Dawson Knox. He hit as a plus 220 touchdown. Isaiah McKenzie also hit at plus 310. Both of those hit in the first half. Uh, the biggest touchdown score of the day, though, Samari Torre uh, with the Packers, who came in uh, in injury relief when Christian Watson went down. Uh, he was the biggest touchdown hit of the week at 11 to 1. 
And I thought, yeah, you're right. Like the Packers, even though they were outmatched, like it was respectful with the way that they were trying to reestablish the run in the second half. And they actually did it pretty well, like 210 passing yards. That's the most the Bills allowed all season. So, uh, but now you're looking kind of big picture. You're looking at this, uh, this Packers team. They trail the Vikings heavily. I don't think they're going to even get close to now the AFC North division. And you look at the division leaders in the NFC, like, all of them are new. You got the Eagles, you got the Vikings, you just mentioned the Seahawks and then the Falcons as well. So the NFC is still, in my opinion, it's wide open. I'm not ready to write off the Packers completely as a playoff team, but uh, we talked about it last week. Like it's just, they're trending downward. It's difficult to kind of see how they would match up to top teams, especially in the AFC, like a Bills team, or if they had to face the Chiefs. Uh, so at this point, I didn't really learn that much from the Bills, but the Packers, I think that was the one encouraging thing is that it showed that the, even against a tough run defense like that, they could still run the ball, keep the game close enough to like cover a double digit spread like that. And Mason Crosby, of course, misses the field goal at the end of the game. So over betters were probably putting a hole in their wall, punching it. Yeah. Yeah. That would, uh, <laughs> that sounds right. That was good. Hope, hopefully they can uh, fill that wall up and uh, go on with their lives. A little bit of drywall, uh, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dolphins Lions was another game that, this Lions team, I think when the Lions play at home, it's another place and team that I just say to myself, I don't know what's going to happen. And they get out to a great start, and it's just so Lions. Like 14 nothing off a bye. Jared Goff is slinging the rock everywhere. He's pinpoint accurate. They can scheme it up there in Detroit offensively. But, Brandon, this team just hates – having a lead they just they don't like it they, oh come on come and come on and play we want you to we want you to make this fun and the dolphins won this game and covered the spread 31 27 the spread was three and a half yeah well this was one of my picks so i got the cover here i was a little mad though i got home a little late from church when the lions had been ahead and i would have wanted to bet live but then by the time i caught back up the line the lines had already given up the lead so i lost my chance so no go on that one we'll just settle for the cover instead I think, Brendan, the one thing you do know is going to happen in any Lions game at this point is the other team is going to have some offense. <laughs> that is, that's what we saw here. We've talked about Tyreek Hill a few times before. Dude is a monster. 12 catches, 188 yards. It felt like he could have put up 300 if they just kept throwing to him. This is now the fourth time this season he's had at least 160 yards. There are only five other games like that in the entire rest of the NFL. He has four. They have five. So he is right now on pace halfway through the season for 2,042 yards, which would be an NFL record, our first ever 2,000-yard season. By the way, three of those games he's played have backup quarterbacks with him. So I I'm playing Tyreek Hill, Offensive Player of the Year. I think he was 14-1 to 1 into the day. We don't have odds up yet, but he is putting up some monster, monster yardage numbers. That's half his games, over 160 yards. So Miami, when two has been out there, they have just been firing and passing it all over the field. This obviously is a good matchup for them, but Miami's still undefeated when Tua plays most of the snaps, and they got the job done here even after spotting the early lead. Let it be known that our man Matt Mitchell is producing this week's show, not David Payne. And do you notice a trend when David is not here? The Broncos, maybe they're sort of competent, or they figure it out and they win <laughs> a game. So, David, I don't know if, if you're listening. Um yeah, uh, maybe you shouldn't be around anymore on Sunday nights because Denver <laughs> somehow figures it out. 21-17. You know what I, You know what caught my eye in this game, Joe? Is that Russell Wilson and Jerry Judy, there, there might be something growing there. It was Sutton early in the year, but Judy was his go-to guy in big spots. Well, that's a growth I want no part of, I can tell you that right now. And <laughs> I'll tell you this, like – 
I swear that you guys assign me Broncos games like every week as like an initiation as like my first year at action network, like a little hazing, like, Oh, let's, let's give them the Broncos, you know, because I, I swear most people probably didn't even roll to bed to watch this game. Like Brandon, like you, like we talked, you went to church, like an avoided abomination of a game. <laughs> like, and I'm probably gonna have to join you next week with all the stuff that I was saying under my breath. Like, um, and, and honestly, like, this is how cocky the NFL is now. Like, because this is how they know we will watch the football anyway. They have featured the Broncos four times in primetime and then a London game. And reportedly, it was the largest crowd for an NFL international game in history. Over 86,000 people. So the audience and attendance, like, are steadily climbing despite the product just blatantly sucking ass in front of us. All right, now I'm going to just calm down for a second here. So, okay, as for the game... Again, I was just really high on Doug Peterson. Another reason why I'm mad, just because I was really high on Doug Peterson before the start of the year to win coach of the year. Like, I don't know if he's going to make it to the end of the season because some of these play calls in the games, man, were so bad. Like, I just, he has been dining out on this Philly special now for like four years. Like, did Pete Carroll not teach us anything? Like, run the damn ball from the one-yard line. Like, they are at the one-yard line, first and goal. Lawrence has three rushing touchdowns in his last two games. Travis Etienne is, like, slicing up this defense the entire game. They right. call a stupid pass play. Lawrence throws a pick in the end zone. That pretty much was, like, what kind of sealed the game in the first half as far as giving the Broncos momentum. And then this greasy Broncos team now is 3-5. and five. Actually has potential now to win and get into a playoff game in the AFC. And nobody is happier than me that they are on by this week, so I don't have to talk about them next week. It's phenomenal. Sucking ass. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Jacksonville just getting in its own way. All right, let's uh, let's get through the last of these games from uh, week number eight. That We've got seven more. Let's fly right through these. Uh, we call this the frozen pizza section. Arizona, Minnesota, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. This is hard for us to always try to stay on time and it's slow. But Brandon, uh, assess Vikings win 34 26 so the Vikings they they keep winning and they cover the spread against Cliff and the Cardinals they do they get the win they got the cover Cardinals offense it's just the same story like it's just what are we doing what, what are you doing Cliff Kingsbury did you game plan at all do you have any idea what's happening is your plan just Kyler do some stuff and do some stuff to DeAndre Hopkins okay great we almost won you know what it almost worked Hopkins had the incredible touchdown catch Kyler does some amazing things. And yet again, I mean, look, I'm a Vikings fan. We're getting the wins. These are not pretty. This is not a pretty one-loss team. We've done the talk with the Giants all these weeks while they've been the fraudulent one-loss team. The Vikings are in that picture. They're 6-1, and one, four wins at home. Who's their best win against? They beat the Packers. That's not that exciting anymore. They beat the Dolphins last week unconvincingly with some fumble luck with Tua coming back off that injury. I'm not sure that was all that exciting. They might not have beaten a playoff team yet, but you look ahead on the schedule. There's only three games right now left on the schedule against projected playoff teams. So, you know, you keep on winning. You keep winning. It's it's an open year. There's only a few good teams. We've done the who's the best in the NFC conversation. I'm building a house on Seattle Island. We talked Cowboys. We talked 49ers a few minutes ago. The Vikings aren't as good as those teams, but if you just keep winning games every week, you know, you get into the picture. For, for me, though, as a fan watching this team, this was out of the bye week. And to me, this was disappointing. I was willing to accept with Kevin O'Connell, new coach, what happens out of the bye week? Can we get something new? Did you just get to the bye week and then refresh the offense, do something new and interesting? 
I didn't really see it. It felt like just the same formula that has kind of left the team mediocre, but getting some wins, but that usually doesn't hold up over the long run. Jill has your uh, stance strengthened on the Philadelphia Eagles winning 35-13 today against Pittsburgh. They cover the 10.5-point spread. They're coming off the bye, too, and the Eagles continue to assert their dominance in the NFC. Yeah, it was another fast start for them. I mean, they went up 21 to 10 at halftime, and that's another first half cover for them as well. They're 7 0 ATS in that spot this season. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts' four touchdown passes was probably the biggest surprise. I figured they would probably try to more run and control the clock that way. But I mean, the Steelers' secondaries are just awful. Like, 13 touchdowns now to wide receivers. We're only halfway through the season. Um, AJ Brown, for anybody who remembers like Eagle seasons from way back in uh, the mid 2000s, like he's given off like TO to the Eagles vibes right now, like the way that he's impacted that offense, um, you know, it kind of floats all boats. Um, and now the Eagles coming up here on Thursday night football, 13 point favorites against the Texans. You're having the best rushing offense in the league. Uh, kudos to Chicago, but I still think the Eagles have the best rushing offense versus the worst rushing defense in the league. So uh, it's just going to probably be a stylistic nightmare for the Texans. And uh, yeah, it's probably going to be a very boring Eagles 20 point win. This quarterback matchup, is like a frozen pizza Super Bowl. <laughs> Heineke v. Ellinger. And, mm. you know, we'll give Sam Ellinger maybe a, a sliver of hope maybe down the road. But right now as we speak, pretty disgusting frozen frozen pizza. But how about Heineke pulls it off with the rushing score at the end. The commanders win outright 17-16. Brandon, they cover plus three. Hey, I've been awaiting all podcasts for this one. Guys, the Carson Wentz Bowl is here. The Colts, oh, the yeah. commanders. This is my game. This is the one I've been waiting for. It was a snoozer. Nothing really happened. Nothing happened early. 7-6 in the fourth quarter. Colts took a lead. Terry McLaurin, the Indy kid, so apparently well, you know, won a championship in Indianapolis, got back to the game, had that huge goal line grab late, and the Washington got over the line quite literally with a late touchdown. The entire NFC East, and I think the AFC East, at or above 500, thanks to this Washington win. So... Just like we all expected, the Eastern Division's taking us home. <laughs> about Tennessee and Houston, Jill? This one leaves a little sour taste in your mouth based on your best bet from the other day. But Malik Willis starts at quarterback for Ryan Tannehill. Houston is still a really terrible outfit. They can't stop the run. Derrick Henry goes bananas today on the ground. Hence why I was talking about the Eagles probably just going to run all over them because Derrick Henry pretty much did whatever he wanted from this game. Not really a lot to take away from this. Kind of played out the way you thought, even with Malik Willis at quarterback. You know, honestly, thinking of the over 40 and a half that I made on the Best Bets podcast, part of it was under the idea that I thought Tanny would still play, Ryan Tannehill. Yep, and, uh, and you know, he kind of was probably closer to Saturday when they were talking about uh, Willis was taking first team reps, but... I mean, I can't see how any team in the AFC South catches them. Like we talked about, I just went on about how the Jaguars are terrible. Uh, the the Colts are obviously awful, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and then the Texans as well. So um, Titans pretty much have a firm grasp on this. I mean, I was kind of back in on Davis Mills, you know, thinking about how well he plays in domes, but uh, that was just a, a myth, a unicorn, a urban legend. It just, it, it doesn't exist. And any stats that happened before that game, they don't exist either. That is what you saw is what Davis Mills is as a quarterback. The New England Patriots won their 13th straight game against the New York Jets. The Jets have not beat the Patriots since 2015. Brandon, they win on the road. They put that Monday night loss to Chicago behind them. 22-17, they cover a minus three if you had two and a half from earlier in the week. 
But uh, New England, I don't know if they have a quarterback yet. I think Mac Jones was pretty well protected. There was a penalty on what would have been a pick six going the other way. But I'm sorry. Uh, Zach Wilson, to me, is the takeaway. Holy Mm -hmm. crap. You guys ever play that game 500 as a kid? You take the Nerf football, you throw it up, and yell out a price? That's what he was doing. Up oh, little floating, little little floating balls up yeah. over the air, and it, it felt like the center fielder in baseball coming to camp under it to make the out. It, it was bad. Yeah, well, and you know when you're playing for a while, and it's like it's windy, or you haven't quite gotten, and you're you're sick of being the thrower, and you're like infinity, dead or alive. Like this is the <laughs> stage we got to with Zach Wilson, and quite frankly, with Mac Jones. Like yeah. this is a terrible. These guys were trash. Both quarterbacks awful. The old thing with the Patriots: if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks, and like I bet Bill Belichick did this to himself. I don't know what he was thinking trying to do this two quarterbacks thing, but they're in a weird spot now. That was a pick six should have happened. Zach Wilson, two awful interceptions. I don't remember the third. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and assume the third was awful too. Just keep it in line. So it, it was rough. Jill, you got this one right. Luke had this one. We, we were on this one on the podcast. Yep. Um, Belichick now 12 and one ATS after not covering by 21 or more. So Keep that stat in mind for the next one, which, by the way, probably coming before too long, the way Mac Jones is playing. So the only other takeaway here, if you had the over here, listen, I can't be too sorry for you because did you see the quarterbacks? I'm not sure what the over was, but 39 and a half. We finished at 39. We had that pick six called back. We had two turnaround downs inside the 30, and we had eight, eight field goals in this game. Sorry for that one. Rough over miss by a half a point on that one. But yeah. Since Tom Brady left New England, Nick Folk has been the best player for the New England Patriots. That, <laughs> that is, that's pretty much where, where we're at here in, uh, in, in Foxborough. Okay. You know, we've talked about how this league has had a down year overall. I think we've sensed that through c- the coverage of the league. It's been a down year. I don't know what it is, but it feels like to me, Jill, Josh McDaniels is sort of sneaking around criticism, but maybe you can give it to him here. 24-0 loss with a depleted Saints secondary, and you have Devontae Adams, and you don't score. I also saw today they didn't get in the red zone till or across the 50-yard line until the two-minute warning in this game. Good for the Saints. They have a great home field advantage. They came to play. Kamara balled out, but whoa, Raiders, that's a, that's a disaster. Yeah, this game is the frozen pizza where it turned to the side and then the toppings are all on one side. That's exactly what it looked like where, and honestly, unless you are a Raiders or Saints fan, like this game probably would have snuck by you because they didn't really show it a ton on red zone. Like unless you were kind of flipping through and you had the direct TV Octobox set up, you wouldn't have probably saw a lot of highlights from this game. Like I thought Derek, Derek Carr got hurt because I'm looking at the box score. I'm seeing Jared Stidman is like, no, he's just Derek Carr. He only had 105 passing yards and just wasn't getting it done. And like, if any better tells you that they have got a read on this Raiders team, like they're lying because 38 points the week before 29 points on the chiefs in week six, a big fat zero today. Like it's the first time they've been shut out in six seasons. Like, and um, you know, the saints, got a ton of injuries but they're only one game out of the nfc south now they're plus 400 to still to win the division and you know they've beaten the bucks earlier this season uh the bucks already now sitting there at minus 135 at fan i do not agree with that price at all to win the nfc south you think you could still consider uh the saints team just especially with the talent that they have around them it's a game you got to get if you're vegas and to not even score is incredible all right and finally uh, Dallas blows out Chicago. Tony Pollard show. No Zeke in this game. Brandon Anderson, 49-29. 
we're, I get, we're giving this one to you, I guess, because, uh, you know, we got Bill, <laughs> the, the Cowboys fan in the house. But, uh, yeah, Tony Pollard looked good. Dak Prescott looked good, too. They did, yeah. Touchdown on the first four drives of the game, 9-11 on third down, almost eight yards of play, almost half an expected point per play. So every two plays, the Cowboys ran. They scored another point. It felt that way. That's pretty much what the game was. To me, we were a turducken and a giant Salvation Army bucket away from Thanksgiving. That's what this felt like. It just felt like thir- like Thursday afternoon, and the Cowboys just ran it up on whoever hapless opponent we decided to give them for Thanksgiving Tony Pollard got to play the part of Ezekiel Elliott in this one, three touchdowns. Cowboys roll. The Cowboys hit the over on their own without even any help. By the way, though, the Bears keep scoring. Justin Fields, pretty good again. Bears had 240 yards rushing. I will keep an eye out on Bears games overs here because if Chicago suddenly started scoring and don't forget, traded Robert Quinn and their defense couldn't do anything, couldn't stop a nosebleed in this game. So I'm definitely looking for some Bears overs going forward. And uh, yeah, getting a little ready for Thanksgiving. Happy Halloween as you're listening, but yeah. Thanksgiving apparently just around the corner too. Love it. So uh, the two podcasts that we do at the end of each week to get set for the NFL weekend, we've got uh, the NFL uh, betting preview shows, and we also have the best bets episodes, eight and three in week eight to this point, uh, our show that we do on Thursday Six and two, we've got Brandon's Bengals pick pending. So 40, 29 and two. As a reminder, you can find uh, all of those shows. We've got two accounts, Sunday Six Pack and Action Network NFL picks uh, to get Stucky and Raybon's thoughts as well. They had a good weekend too. So we bring that up, Brandon, because we've got Monday night and the line has not changed. It's still three and a half. The news we found out, just to give folks some context, (laughs) we recorded Thursday afternoon for that best bets episode. And then Jamar chase got ruled out, not just for this game, but four to six weeks, pretty drastic injury, the best weapon clearly for the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that is on the, on the come up here for talking about a team that could give Buffalo a game or, or Kansas city. It's this Bengals team. They have been playing well defensively too, but uh, what's your stance now? Totals at 45 and a half. How are you feeling about this pick? Yeah, I still like the Bengals here. I can't say I love the Bengals here. I'm in like a little bit. So just to recap kind of my position on them, we forget now because we just watched a whole slew of games today. But the last time we saw Cincinnati, they were playing their best football of the season. They destroyed the Falcons. They came out passing. They threw it all over them. And this Browns team is a carbon copy of the Falcons. They run the ball really, really well. They can't really pass that much, certainly not in a shootout, and they don't play a whole lot of defense. So if the Bengals just follow the same script, I feel like they should be in a pretty good spot here. Cincinnati started 0-2 for the season, kind of threw us off the scent. They're number two in offensive EPA since then, number two in overall DVOA since then. Of course, the big thing here is Jamar Chase out. So how does that reassess things? Well, if I trusted the coaching staff, I think not a whole lot. My fear is does Zach Taylor look and say, you know what? The Browns run defense is pretty bad. What if we just tried the Joe Mixon thing? We like to run the ball. Should we run the ball, guys? Let's run the ball again. That does not work for the team. Cincinnati has been, at times, very run heavy, and it hasn't worked for them. And I think that could keep the Browns in the game. Browns defense is not good. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, pass the ball. Joe Burrow, just pass it to the guys you still have there. I still feel pretty good about the Bengals. Kevin Stefanski, 3-11 against the spread in division games. I think this is a good spot for Cincinnati to go out and get the win. And I mean, look, we don't move 
lines too much for receivers, but Jamar Chase is as good as it gets. And the fact that they still wouldn't budge on the line here, I think is telling us they're, they're almost daring us to take Cleveland at this point. Then I'm not going to take the dare. I'll stick with Cincinnati. Okay. Cleveland getting 53% of the money, 42% of the bets. That's the latest over on the action network app. Strongly encourage you to get one of those uh, pro accounts. They are phenomenal. Jill, I know you've mm-hmm. been talking about this all year, that the scoring in the league, touchdown scoring in the league, it's, 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 it's making its climb back. The overs Let's hit hope. today, <laughs> lots of scoring today. But this, to me, if I had to look at a game, I feel like this one you were just salivating. There's just a, so much, so many choices here for, for possible touchdown scores in this game. Well, you're talking about uh, books daring us. Books are really daring you to take a look at the next wide receiver on the Bengals right now because wide receiver three, which is usually how they run their wide receiver sets, uh, is Mike Thomas. Uh, And he uh, is right now sitting at plus 490 at FanDuel to score a touchdown. Uh, And he's going to probably ascend into that wide receiver three status. You saw that when T Higgins was out, he had played about 70% of the snaps uh, in that spot. Um, Another guy you probably want to consider maybe Joe Burrow at plus 550. He has rushed for a touchdown now in three straight games. Browns are one of the worst teams defending the run this year. And then of course, if the bills or uh, pardon me, if the Bengals do get up a little bit early and uh, they have to go into catch up mode for the Browns, I do like Kareem Hunt at plus 240 just because he's getting pretty much nearly the same amount of carries as Nick Chubb, just a little bit less. I I still think he's the best backup running back in the league, and I'll fight anybody who thinks otherwise. Very good. Any other thoughts on a total in this game, possibly? I mean, I assume, I mean, as an optimist, I want to have lots of points in this game. I mean, sitting at 45 and a half, you're right there. Just kind of like a crisp number where it could go either way. Obviously, from a touchdown bonanza standpoint, if it goes over 45 and a half, you're going to see probably me hit a couple of bets. Um, If it goes under, you're probably going to be looking at a lot of Joe Mixon and and probably just a little bit more of a slog of an AFC North type style of game. So uh, for me, I'm leaning to the over right now. But uh, again, with the way that we've seen unders, especially in prime time, I wouldn't hate anybody if they wanted to take it under a 45 and a half in this spot. Okay. Don't forget, Brendan, uh, I believe you had the stat the last time we did the Bengals game. Cincinnati has yet to allow a second-half touchdown yep. this season. So if Cincinnati does get the lead, especially if they pull out a little further ahead, this is not going to be a good luck for Cleveland. So I would not be looking to bet on a comeback spot for them in, in that position. I also don't see yet interception props. I was curious uh, <laughs> about that because we, we had fun with that early in the season. Mm. for either quarterback to throw a pick. I'm not seeing it under passing props right now on FanDuel. But anyway, that's fine. Let's go uh, to wrap up the show as we always do on the Sunday recap. We take a look ahead to week nine. We kick off the hot read. Hot rock. Blue 17. Nice right. Ice cream. Jose. Louisville Soul Train. Hot. So in this segment, we discuss spreads that we're already targeting a week in advance. And uh, you're going back to the well, my friend. You're going back to the island. Brandon Anderson, you're going Seahawks. Back to the island. Seattle Island, plus two and a half in Arizona. We did this one last week on our last podcast. It was three and a half. Then we said it would drop. It has dropped. There is still value there. I still think it's going to drop further. We talked about how three obviously is a key number, but so is two. Two is the next key number now. So getting the two and a half ahead of the two still matters. And Quite frankly, I just think Seattle should be favored here. I don't know why they're not. The Seahawks are a good football team. I don't know how many times we have to say it. They're defending well. The offense is moving the ball well. They've now won three games in a row by double digits against the Giants, who are a playoff team right now. 
the Chargers, who are a playoff team right now, and the Cardinals, who aren't, but are the team that they're playing in this game. Arizona scored three offensive points in that game against Seattle. Seattle's best defensive game of the season. Arizona turned over five times. They were sacked six times. And I've said this a few times on this game before and again now, we are treating with this line Kyler Murray like the star quarterback and Geno Smith like Geno Smith. It has been the opposite so far this season. Kyler's metrics are not good. Arizona's offense has no game plan. Seattle is scheming it up. They're moving the ball on early downs, and Geno is dropping dimes week after week. That game today, by the way, Seattle could have won by like 25 or 30 points if Tyler Lockett could just hang on to the dang ball at times. And that's against a good Giants team that has hung in all of these games so far this season. Seattle took it to them. So it is on the road here. We're not going to get that Seattle 12th man advantage, but Arizona has only won one of the last nine at home against the Seahawks. They're only two, six and one ATS in that span. And again, our guy, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, I got the Kingsbury stat. We take Kingsbury on the road as an underdog. It didn't work out today, but generally a good spot. We fade him hard when he is at home and as a favorite, as a favorite Kingsbury nine and 15 against the spread 38%. Only one in four is a division favorite. Pete Carroll, we keep doing the underdog stat because they keep making the Seahawks underdogs. I don't think it's going to last that much longer. 62% cover rate as a dog, 18 and 10 ATS as a division underdog. Gino as an underdog, all the underdog stats. So you want to get Seattle here, grab the money line, grab whatever the best price is that you can find on that. I don't think we're going to get Seattle as an underdog too many more times. So we, we can't keep doing the, the, the bit forever, right? But Seattle Island, as long as they keep giving us points to take Seattle, giving me points against Cliff Kingsbury in this economy, I'll take Seattle Island one more time. Yeah, and I I think their defense has been outstanding. Pete has coached it up to a degree. They held that team to nine points a few weeks ago. Seattle Seahawks, folks, get involved. They've won three in a row, and all of their wins have been by, by double digits. So good stuff, gents. Joe Gallant, Brandon Anderson, two of our very best that cover the NFL at Action Network. Um, Brendan Glasheen. want to remind you before we sign off, uh, we've got two other podcasts going on these days uh, over at Action Network. If you like baseball, if you like the World Series, you're enjoying the series between the Astros and the Phillies, we have Payoff Pitch, Action Network's baseball betting podcast. New episodes this week. We have an episode out now for Game 3 of the World Series. We will have episodes later this week on Tuesday and Wednesday. And if a Game 6 and or 7 are necessary, we'll join you again on Friday as well. There's an off day Thursday in baseball. And don't forget... NBA regular season is underway. If you're looking to bet the NBA, check out Action Network's NBA betting podcast, Buckets. We have episodes every weekday, so stay caught up with every angle in the association. You can listen to Buckets and Payoff Pitch wherever you get your podcasts. All right, for Brandon and Jill, uh, Brendan Glasheen signing off. We'll see you all again for Best Bets on Thursday. You all have a great week. Best of luck with Monday Night Football. <laughs>